Hello, dear friends. This is Kardec Radio at 11 p.m. Nourishing our souls. We're here together to enjoy reflections, studies, revelations that may change our lives. Yes, we are here to boost the hope in all of us. We all go through tough times. Yes, for sure. But the suffering has an end. Yes, everything passes. And that's one of the things we need to learn from this book. That it's better to boost our resilience and our endurance than quitting life. Because we can't quit life. At the end of the day, we keep on living. And the aftermath and the consequences of it are immense. This is a book, Memoirs of a Suicide. <coughs> Memoirs of a Suicide is a book that was psychographed, not psychographed, mediumistically received by the medium Yvonne Pereira. And the spirit author is mainly Camilo, Camilo Castelo Branco, his pseudonym Camilo Botelho, and the spirit... Leon Denis revised and helped the final compilation of it all. This book was published by the Brazilian Spiritist Federation and it comes to us in English. You can acquire your copy at Amazon.com as I did as well in the Kindle version right here and now in my phone. Chapter 2. We have been studying the importance or no of knowing what happens to us in the long run of life. At the beginning of chapter two, Camilo Botelho, the spirit author, reveals something for us that is unprecedented. Let me read this for you so we can comment about it, shall we? In general, those who rush into suicide, hope to free themselves forever from the troubles they believe to be insurmountable, from sufferings and problems they believe to be unsolvable due to the weakness of their uneducated will, which often turns cowardly in the presence of the shame of discredit or dishonor, and from the anguishing regrets that stain their conscience as a result of actions committed in transgression of the laws of the good and justice. So pause for a second. Observe what he said, uneducated will. Let's talk about will. In the book Thought and Life, Emmanuel talks to us about will. Will being the driving force of the soul. In the Gospel According to Spiritism, there is a chapter, chapter 5, Blessed are the Afflicted, and there is a sub-item that talks about melancholy. And in that subtopic, it says that melancholy may weaken our will. So now we're getting to know, when we put all the pieces together from Leon Denis' books, book when he talks about will in the book After Death, to all these other books and now Memoirs of the Suicide, we get to know of the importance of educating our will. Do you educate your will? Because he's saying to us that our weakness the weakness of the suicides came from the uneducated will. See the importance of parenting. The importance of parenting in strengthening the will of the child. But not the whimsical will. Not the will that is spoiled. But the true will that is the driving force of the soul. I'll give you an example. You may be asking. For example, I have to do laundry. 
I don't want to do it. Well, but we got to do it. Let's say you are sick and you got to do it. When we educate our will, we're able to say, well, physical body, I know you're not doing well, but we need to do this. It's important. I'm educating my will because I'm disciplining it. I could stay in bed and do nothing and say, oh, well, I feel so weak. But at the same time, we have things that need to be done. And this is how we educate our will. But it starts in childhood. And I have to say this, I have to thank my parents, for they have helped me in this life to educate my will, big part, by saying no. You may not want to do this, but you need to. Nowadays, I see parents who listen to their kids and their will, don't educate it and allow them to go through the way they want. I feel so sorry for them because these will be adults with weak will, non-educated will or uneducated will as Camilo Botelho is explaining to us. So how about us? How about you? Have you thought about it? Are you disciplining your will? There are certain things in life that only an educated will makes us achieve or go places, achieve goals or go places. From a diet to working out, to any work that is labor intensive, we need to educate our will to focus and get done and tell our physical bodies, let's work step by step together because the physical body is not us. It is with us, right? Hello, Raquel Bakeshi, how are you? Silvio Otero, how have you been? Friends, and think right now, we are here. One day, we'll be at the edge of this life, crossing over. And that's what happens then, right? And that's what we need to prepare ourselves for. Not for death, but for the continuity with less weaknesses, strengthening our will. So he says here, he says, from sufferings and problems they believe to be unsolvable due to the weakness of their uneducated will, he's talking about suicides, which often turns cowardly in the presence of the shame of discredit and dishonor. I too thought that way, in spite of the halo of idealism that my vanity believed glorified my brow. I was mistaken, however. The first hours that followed my brutal act against myself passed by without my being able to get a hold of myself. In this chapter 2, he's going to tell us what happened to him before he was actually rescued. But at the end of the chapter, he talks about how he was rescued too. And there's a rule of thumb. They are only rescued when they, the physical body and the spiritual body, no longer are connected by the vital fluids. We need to exude ourselves of that vitality. So now you know the consequences. And he forgives himself for saying such thing that wow. he says, I don't want to share these ugly details with you, dear reader, but I have to. Because people need to understand what happens. He said, I gradually felt, I felt confused in darkness 
gradually felt coming back to life within me, he said. But he observed that he was feeling some smells, putrid and nauseous odors, however brutally offended my sense of smell. An acute, violent, maddening pain instantly came over my entire body, particularly in the air of my brain and auditory system because he shot himself in the ear. Overcome by indescribable convulsions of physical pain, I lifted my hand to my right ear. Blood was coming from the hole caused by the bullet I had used to commit suicide, staining my hands, clothes, and body. I could not see a thing, however. One must recall that my suicide was due to the fact that I was going blind. An expiation I considered to be above my strength, an unjust punishment by nature against my eyes, which needed their sight so I could make an honest and worthy living. Pause for a second. We're talking about educating our will. And Camilo is sharing with us his perception when he committed suicide as well. He felt he was going through something that was not just. Do we go through things that we feel they do not match what we deserve? But friends, remember in the book Action and Reaction, Andre Louis explains to us there are three types of pain. The pain of evolution, which is that suffering that we go through because we're evolving. It's like when you're learning something new and it feels hard, but at the end of the day, it feels so good because you're learning something new. Or when you go to the gym, pain evolution, you push the envelope, you come home, you're feeling tired. The next day you wake up to the soreness of the muscles, but then you breathe in and out say, Woo, that's wonderful because I am evolving, right? There is pain expiation. That's the pain that he suffered. We are going through something we asked because in previous lives we committed worse we made others suffer worse than we're suffering now. Pain expiation. And when we doubt that we were capable of making suffer, let's read these books or read history and ask, who, who were the authors of those things in history? The neighbors? All of us. All of us. We're not going to talk about how he ended up this way because it's going to be another chapter. But hold on because we're together. We're going to discover this. But one thing we know, pain expiation is needed to expunge from our peri-spirit the loads of disharmony. And there is also aiding pain. Sometimes we get sick a family member gets sick to protect us from incurring in great mistakes. Sometimes when we have to take care of our loved one or of ourselves in some issues, we're more vigilant, we're more prayerful, we're protected. Mm -hmm. There is this very case about Marie Sutesi told through Chico Xavier by the Spirit, Umberto de Campos. It was published in an issue of the Spiritist magazine, talking about the, the boy. He wasn't a boy. He was actually a young man who was going through a certain illness. And the mother, who is in the spiritual realm, comes and asks, but aren't you guys, the spirit doctor, is going to do something to help him out? And they say, look, let me show you his chart. And it showed, day one, Mauricio had pain in his belly. He prayed more. Day two, still prayerful. Day three, 
physical relief, already started to think shady thoughts. Day four, no pain in the physical body. The obsessors are already in his bedroom. And then he goes through like almost like 60 days and they share with us that actually that physical pain was protecting that man from obsession. It's hard to understand that, but it's good to know that this happens. So Camilo, back to Camilo. Camilo said that in this place, the people who were there with him, he called them the reprobates. People who felt they were doomed to eternal suffering, but they aren't. He said he heard voices that were not talking to each other in conversation. They were actually blaspheming, complaining about their misfortunes, lamenting, protesting, screaming furiously, moaning, agonizing, weeping without consolation. Some were filled with rage. They begged for help and compassion. Now, let's talk about connections, huh? associations. Some people are incarnated and they behave exactly like that. They don't talk to people. They are complaining, lamenting, crying or screaming, etc. So are we like that? Or are we trying to create a world of peace around us within ourselves? What are we doing? Educating our will? Hmm? Right, Rihanna. There, she's saying there's so much love and assistance for us always. You're right. And he's saying that they felt terrified. He felt terrified and had strange jolt shivers. He said he wanted to go away, but he couldn't. He said, indeed, I felt like heavy chains had imprisoned me, shackled me to that eerie unknown bed, making me impossible to leave. I consider that situation unsolvable, he says. Surrendered to my tears and wept desperately, not knowing what to do to get help. However, as I yield to my tears, the choir of the deranged, always the same, always tragic and glum, regular as the pendulum of a clock, followed me with singular regularity. He wanted to flee, he says. Upset because everybody had abandoned me. At such a critical time, I felt my way in the dark, intending to find the usual door to my room. He was in a cemetery. The graves with their sad crosses of white marble and dark wood flanked by pensive angels were all lined up in the majestic immortality, immobility of the drama they were a part of. And then the voices would tell him, you wanted to commit suicide, didn't you? Well, there you have it. And he says, but I did not die. I saw myself dead lying in a coffin, in a clear state of decomposition, in the depths of a grave, the exact same one I had just stumbled over. I fled in horror, wanting to hide from myself. I mentally reproduced the dismal scene of my suicide as if seeking to die a second time, he says, in order to disappear into the realm whether, according to my ignorance of the after-death phenomena, I believed eternal obliv obliv oblivion lay. But he didn't succeed. And 
regarding events that had to do with me, like memorials, for example. I heard comments, he says, drenched in irreverent and mordant criticism or filled with sincere sorrow for my lamentable death. I returned to my home and I saw surprising chaos. I was furious. Things were scattered everywhere. It's so interesting. I'm going to put a pause here. Because that's so common. Attachment. In the book Heaven and Hell by Kardec. Second part. He talks about this carnation. And then the cases of several spirits, including suicidal spirits. You can see more of this in Sunshine's program every Sunday. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to see the importance of detachment. Some people are so attached to their things that they forget that sooner or later they won't be here. Assessment question for us. Do you feel that way? And what is hope to do with it? Because if we change it, we're going to have a better discarnation. Because the fact of the matter is, we all know death is in the map. Of course. It's already planned. It's going to happen. Are we ready? Should we prepare ourselves? Yes. How? By living quality life, spiritually speaking. How? Look at your house. Are there things there that you feel like you and only you can have and touch and hold and keep? Be careful because they will anchor you in the afterlife. But that's a thought for us. He said, afflicted, suffering, deranged, and absorbed by waves of agonizing anguish. Nowhere did I find any possibility of regaining my mental balance in order to find comfort and relief. Now pause because there's a footnote by Yvonne Pereira when she says in this book that the spirit mentor of hers named Charles took her one night in the emancipation of this leap time to go to a cemetery. He asked her to come and see and help suicidal spirits who were still attached to their bodies. She saw a spirit that was so ugly, deformed by suicide. And then she turned to Charles and asked, Charles, what can we do? He doesn't seem to see us. How are we going to help? He said, prayer. Prayer is very powerful. Yvonne. Let us pray because in prayer, he's going to receive the relief. He's going to find the light. So tonight, dear friends, we're reminding all of us of the importance of praying. And praying for those who are right now in the valley of suicides on earth. It exists. Suffering exists. And we need to help. So, he says here, sobbing uncontrollably, I bent over the grave just like the spirit I'm mentioning to you. Contorting myself in terrifying convulsions of pain and rage, wallowing in a crisis of diabolical fury, I understood that I had committed suicide, that I was in the grave, but that nevertheless, I continue to live and suffer even more, so much more than before, superlatively, abysmally, so much more than before my cowardly and thoughtless act. Pause. Tell everyone who is thinking of suicide, 
you're going to suffer much more. And show them this, chapter 2 of Memoirs of a Suicide. Say, don't do it. You're going to suffer immensely more, not only for months and years, but for hundreds of years because you have to recapitulate everything. You can escape it. Let's work together. I'm here to support you. We're going to make it. Hope. And he was like this, Camilo, for about two months. He wandered around, dazed and confused. My head really in a state of incomprehension. Bound to that decomposing corporeal burden, I felt all the imperative human physical necessities, a torment, along with all the other discomforts, brought me constant desperation. Ouch. Very hard. Very hard. He continued to roam around without aim, feeling his way along the streets, unacknowledged by friends and admirers, a poor blind man humiliated in the afterlife thanks for the dishonor of having committed suicide. He felt himself like a homeless, a beggar in the spare world, famished in the darkness, tortured, wandering, ghosts without a home, without shelter. How many homeless are in the spiritual realm? Many. That's why we need to help, to team up. And that's when he saw 200 of people, men and women, He says, I turned a corner and came across a horde of about 200 individuals of both sexes. It was night, or at least that is what I thought, because as usual, darkness enveloped me. Everything I have described so far I saw somewhat defined in the darkness, seeing more by perception than by sight, eyesight per se. As a matter of fact, a, I considered myself blind without explaining to myself how, despite lacking the valuable sense of sight, I was nevertheless able to see all that vileness, but not the light of the sun and the blue of the sky. That throng, I found out, was the same sinister choir that had terrified me earlier. I recognized it because as we joined up, they started to howl in desperation, hurling blasphemies at heaven that would make mine seem unlaughable in comparison. I tried to retreat to hide from that horde, horrified to become known to it. However, because it was going to the opposite direction, it quickly engulfed me, sweeping me along with it, completely absorbing me in its folds. I was pushed and pulled against my will. The throng so compact, it swallowed me up. I only understood one thing because I heard it being growled all over me. We were all being guarded by soldiers who were herding us somewhere. The horde had just been captured. At any given moment, another wanderer and then another would be added to the mob, as had happened to me. Like me, they could not escape. It could be said that a contingent of cavalry was taking us to prison. We could hear the horses' hooves on the streets and see the sharp lenses shining in the darkness, imbuing us with the utmost fear. I protested against the violence I was being submitted to. I loudly proclaimed that I was not a criminal given my name, my titles, my qualifications. But the soldiers, if they heard me at all, they did not respond. Silent, mute, and erect, they advanced on their horses to close us in an unsurmountable circle. The commander, opening the way in the darkness, held a staff on the top of each a small waving banner, and an inscription could be glimpsed. However, the darkness was so thick that we could not read it, even if the desperation that flogged us were to allow us to pause to do so. The march was long, and then they saw 
that they were coming to a place where there were caves, roads. It's like a strange village. Let me pause for a second. What is important for us here as we're incarnated? We often think that we, we can do whatever we like, however we like, and we teach our children to do so. We're seeing this very part of the chapter that the universe has order. That the soldiers of the Legion of Mother Mary, that there is a defense mechanism for the general benefit that is commanding our lives. Do you feel yourself connected to this command of life? Because I see many problems in our lives happen when we feel that we are loose, that we can do whatever we like. That's when we feel. If you see all the high spirits, all the missionaries on earth, they always said that they were fulfilling a higher call. Always, always. So we need to teach that to our children. You are here because God wants you to be here. On earth because Jesus is in charge of you. He's the shepherd. You better ask him for guidance and model what he teaches you or else. He's not going to let us abandoned, but we're going to suffer. How about if tonight we adjust, calibrate ourselves in that regard? Knowing that we have a shepherd on earth, the shepherd is Jesus. How about if we adjust our will to the plans of on high in the minute details of life? Life is going to be so meaningful. We'll never feel awkward again. Never feel lost or abandoned, even though many people may not understand us. We'll feel so well and calibrated. We can go through problems after problems, but we'll know that we can see the guiding star. We can see our guiding star, Jesus. And whatever happens is just strengthening us to fulfill our destiny, to achieve the goal in this reincarnation and in many reincarnations to come. Okay? When Camilo shows to us that he is there, committed suicide, and he's protesting, don't you know who I am? I am X person. You can't do this to me. The soldiers, they don't reply. Why? Because it's when children come and say, I don't want to take a shower. You're going to reply. You you have to do what you have to do. You have to take a shower, period. I mean, it's it's not a choice. When you are 18, you can make a choice. No shower. But right now, of course, we're going to shower every day. Of course. It's a matter of hygiene. Simple. We need to be useful. We can't do nothing in life. And dreaming about retirement is just a ticket to death. Because many people think retirement is about doing nothing or doing whatever you like. And I've seen time and again, people who entered retirement in that mindset, 
they don't last a year, they die. Because the good spirits are like, my friend, and you think life is about what you want. One day you're going to learn that life is about what God wants. If you don't adjust your will, if you don't educate your will at every single stage of life until death, we're going to be taken by surprises. Like Camilo, I can kill myself. Now he's learning. Uh, it's not quite like that. And you cannot simply wander around just because. No. There is order. You can't mess up with people's lives. You have to be in a specific place until your physical body releases you. The vitality goes away. Beautiful chapter. Filled with lessons for us. He says to us that the companions that he had in those the strange village were hideous. As hideous as we were all the other wretches we met in the accursed valley. Those who had welcomed us in tears and torment similar to our own. It's interesting because we talk so much about beauty and sensuality and etc. And when it comes to this moment in life when they commit suicide, everybody's looking completely, they lack harmony. And he says, imagine a huge assembly of deformed creatures, men and women, characterized by hallucinations arising from their own personal situations, all of them wearing garments caked with the clay of their graves, their faces altered and tormented by the signs of atrocious suffering. Imagine a place, a whole village, enveloped in dense veils of cold and asphyxi asphyxiating darkness, where those afterlife inhabitants felled by suicide dwelled each one displaying the ignoble manner of the death he or she had chosen with the intent of sidestepping the divine law. Da, 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 da. Then he's going to describe to us each and every one of them. And he says, but there's more. I beg the readers to forgive my remembrance of these details, which may be unappealing to their literary taste, but surely useful as a warning to their possibly impetuous character as they are called on to live with the inconveniences of the times in which the horrible malady of suicide has become an endemic evil. The truth of the matter is that it is not our intention to offer a literary work to delight artistic tastes and temperaments. We're merely carrying out a sacred duty, seeking to reach those who are suffering in order to tell them the truth regarding that abyss, which with malefic seduction has lured so many disbelieving souls amidst the disappointments common to everyday life. See when he says here, impetuous character. We're talking about molding ourselves friends i see people who come and say did you see that person they didn't say hi to me they treated me like that i understand we may feel hurt but let us resolve that quickly huh? and say okay they don't have to think i am somebody as long as i know that they are somebody important child of god we need to tame our will. Not to come to caprices, whims, spoiledness. And he talks about the mind. How the training of the mind is so important. The mind constructs and produces, he says. Thought is a creating power. It manufactures, materializes, 
retains the images it engenders, realizes, preserves what has passed, and with powerful claws maintains the present for as long as it desires. So, because they committed suicide, they impregnated their minds with that moment, and they continue to see it time and again, just so we understand. And plus, they have the remorse, the longing for loved ones, anguishes, and material sufferings, he says, like hunger, cold, thirst, psychological demands that torment, irritate, and make us feel despaired. But now he says something quite peculiar we can't skip. He says, another peculiar thing that the people who were there, the suicides, displayed fragments of a torn phosphorescent luminous cord dangling from themselves like a short cable made of electrical wires that had snapped violently, giving off fluids that should have stayed together for a certain purpose. This apparently insignificant detail was quite to the contrary of capital importance, for it was precisely in that cord that the troubles of the suicide spirits present, present state were established. Today, we know that this fluidic magnetic cord, which ties the soul to the physical body and gives it life, is in the right condition to separate from the body only at the time of natural death. With a suicide, however, when this cord is cruelly snapped and not disconnected properly, when it is torn while still enjoying its fluidic and magnetic vigor, it produces most, if not all, the disequilibrium we have been describing. If the reservoir of magnetic forces for a certain lifespan on the earth is not yet depleted, it leads the suicide to feel like a zombie in the most expressive meaning of the term. However, when we first noticed this, we had no knowledge of that natural occurrence. So you understand when people talk about zombies, they exist. They are talking about this type of spirits that committed suicide that were abruptly interrupted in their lives. And that magnetic, spiritual magnetic cord that connects the spiritual body to the physical body is torn. It's important to know this because we need to take care of it in the physical life. We talk about indirect suicide. We'll talk more about it later in this book. When we little by little cut short our lives. So at some point, at some point, he felt when the caravans of the Legion of Mother Mary were coming to their rescue, he said that they had a map of this valley of suicides. He says, as if they had a powerful telescope on their miserable dwellings in order to give the details of the situation to the hard-working expeditions. The workers of fraternity would then consult a map, go quickly to the indicated spot and bring out those who were looking, they were looking for, carrying some in their arms, others in stretchers. So much love. And then suddenly, a faraway voice announced in an unseen loudspeaker, dwelling number 36, Lane 48, attention, dwelling number 36, get ready to join the caravan, attention, Camilo Cândido Botelho, Belarmino Queiroz e Souza, Jerônimo de Araújo Silva, João de Azevedo, Mário Sobral, please join the caravan. What an emotion. 
He heard his name, but before he heard it, he was feeling weak as his friends in that dwelling. Those are signs that he was disconnected from the physical body. That's when they are able to take them from that place to the next place, the hospital of Mother, Mother Mary. It was with indescribable tears of emotion that I climbed the small steps of the platform, indicated by a very patient and devoted nurse, while the lancers closed the circle around me and my four companions, keeping the other wretches from joining us or from pulling us back. He could read legions, legion of the servants of Mary. And he observed himself. He was feeling the mercy because he was feeling like he was leaving that sinister valley, as he called it. Moved and fearful, I was finally able to lift my thought to the immortal fount of eternal goodness to humbly give thanks for the great mercy I had received. He's finally gonna enter the Mary of Nazareth Hospital. What an emotion, friends. Conclusion for us today. We're never alone. Even in the extreme scenarios of our lives, the higher spirits have a telescope on us. It's funny to say it because we think of telescope to watch the sky. But for the higher spirits, we are their sky. Their happiness is to see us suffer less, to bring relief to us. Do you feel it? Let us give them a hand by educating our will. In this chapter, it's clear that we need to tame our minds and to educate our wills. Let us do a program in the next 24 hours, something to make us feel that we are educating, disciplining our will. And we can do this by feeling ourselves 100% connected to our master, Jesus, our shepherd, our guiding model. At any given point of the day, we shall ask, what do you want me to do, Lord? That's our exercise for the next 24 hours. Lord, what do you want me to do? Here, there, and everywhere. Shall we, friends? This is Lifting Hope. Right here and now at Kardec Radio. Let us wrap up with a short prayer because we need to pray for those who are right now in the Valley of Suicides. You want to join me? Yes, I'm going to play the Ave Maria. Yes, to inspire us all the more. And please join me because we need to pray. We can't do this program without the importance of prayer because prayer is everything for these friends of the beyond who are suffering immensely. Let us then. Let us close our eyes if you can and feel The legions of Mother Mary helping to bring relief and consolation to those who are in excruciating pain in the valley of suicides. Mother, Father God, you are so loving that you make us co-creators with you. Right now, we are joining 
thoughts and feelings. Sending wishes of relief to those who are in deep pain, despair. May those who are in such state perceive the legion of servants of Mother Mary approaching them, inviting them to a new life. Thank you, dear Jesus, for teaching us the power of renewal. Thank you for teaching us about forgiveness. May we forgive ourselves and one another. May we be wise, educating our will, disciplining it, rejoicing as we are restricted and constricted by some terms of life and renew ourselves courageously, knowing that all the matter is immortality, our immortal self, our immortal relationships. May these vibrations balance our minds and bodies, as well as our loved ones, especially give an extra help to those who committed suicide. We thank you for the miracles of love. May we stay with you today and always. After all, you are our Lord and Lord what do you want us to do? May we fulfill your will. Today and always. And so be it. Thank you, Rihanna. Thank you, my friends, for joining us in this lifting hope moment. May we gather together again because the next chapter is all about the hospital, Mary of Nazareth. How about that? Meanwhile, let's ask the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? A big hug to you, dear friends. And until tomorrow, God willing, 